Hello, podcast listener. The App Guy podcast. Every Sunday and Thursdays. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Yes, welcome to episode 23 of the App Guy Podcast. I'm Paul Kemp, I'll be your host. And what I wanted to do in this episode is revisit a guest that we had on the show on episode two, an app developer by the name of Jack Nutty who was one of the founding engineers at Turbo Boca, which is the Awesome Kids app development. And I thought I would have him back on because we had an email. In fact, I received an email from a listener who asked such a great question. I thought it would be to go out to um, Jack and get his views. So I recorded the interview uh, earlier this week and thought I would just play the whole thing for you, which lasts about an episode anyway. Um, So here's my interview with Jack Nutting. Hey, welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm uh, your host, as it says, Paul Kemp, and I'm here tonight with a great developer and someone who's really helped me from the early start of this podcast series, a developer called Jack Nutting. He's the author behind uh, the book called Beginning iOS Development and Learn Coca on the Mac. Uh, He's currently with ThoughtBot. If you look them up online, I'll also include them in the show notes. But also, Jack has been previously with the kids developer called Toka Boca. Wonderful guy. Thanks very much, Jack, for joining us. Go and definitely check out episode two if you haven't heard it. He joined me when I was starting out this podcast. And Jack's joined me tonight because we have um, a question from an audience listener who asked um, a question. And so, Jack, I'm just so pleased that you could come and join me. We've had an audience listener who's put this question, and I thought you would be great to answer it. Let me just read out the question, uh, tell people what this person asked. His name is uh, Nate, and he says, here's his email. It says, hi, Paul. Um, I'm going to read out the first bit because it's a little bit of um, bragging rights. He says, first and foremost, I would like you to thank you for the brilliant podcast, says Nate. Um, I haven't paid this guy to say this, by the way. He says, it's an amazing and invaluable insight uh, and overview of programming in iOS. Um, I love the guests, amazing concept. Thank you for creating it and spending your time helping us better understand uh, so many facets of the industry. The one thing I was writing uh, to you was to try and get a question on. So uh, that's hence I wanted to get you on, Jack. Uh, His question is this. Can one person bring an app from thought to reality uh, through all the hurdles it takes? Simple apps and the more complex as well. And is it done frequently? Or is it more beneficial and efficient to work with a team? And if so, what roles would you necessarily have as a bare bones foundation? I.e., would you have a team of four to five with one for user interface, one for data, et cetera, et cetera? What what are your thoughts on that question, Jack? Well, it's it's a good question. It's a big question. It covers sort of a lot of... uh... I mean, or the answer to this covers a whole lot of territory. I mean, if you look, if you look at what's on the App Store or the Google Play Store, 
you'll probably find a huge range of applications. There'll be a bunch that are made by one person or two people. And there are ones that are, you know, obviously EA has their apps out there that are built by dozens of people. I think it's, it, it kind of boils down to what your level of ambition is and uh, really what, what you want to accomplish. I had my, so my first apps that I put out all on my own were just that all on my own. Um, I did the, the graphics for some simple games. I did the programming. I did some simple sound effects. And then I did all the work also of trying to get the app out in the store, trying to do some PR, get some noise about it on some blogs and that sort of thing. And there are a lot of facets to consider. There's a lot of things to think about. And it's easy to miss things. Um, and then also the, the, the downside of doing it all on your own is that very few people are great at a whole lot of things. You know, I'd say that my, I can do some, some graphics. I can do some art. I can do some music and sound. But what I do for my day job, what I do, you know, most of my time at a computer is the programming. So that's really where my focus is. When I went to Tokoboka, um, one of the biggest differences between that and the gaming work I'd been doing on my own before that was suddenly I had this group of people around me who were these amazingly talented graphics artists and all these people who had these concepts for the games, things that I never would have thought of, and suddenly you had a team working together. Because that's, that's one of the other downsides of doing it yourself is that you're kind of in a vacuum. It's, you can always ask friends and family to help you try things out and get feedback, but uh, for someone who doesn't really have a foot in the game, it can be hard for them to give you the kind of feedback that's actually helpful for you. So, it, so I mean, it, it can be done, it's, but it's hard to gauge how much it's done and how successful people typically are. Yeah, I'm looking at it from Nate's perspective. He's uh, new to developing. I think he's getting into the game. And he is probably thinking, can one person be overwhelmed with everything that needs to be done to get an app from thought to launch? Um, you know, I, I clearly... In my case, I guess I would say as well, it, like yourself, it depends on the app that you're trying to bring to from thought. I've done many apps where it's just been me putting it through, but those apps have been, I would say, 1% of what a Toka Boca app is. And, and the thought of getting that done myself would, would be just uh, impossible to think about. So yeah, I guess it does depend on the, the app itself. Yeah, I mean, maybe you can tell us about an example or a time in your life when you did do uh, everything on your own. What was that like, the freedom of doing it? And were you overwhelmed at the start? Um, well, sure, but I can say, for, so the first app that I built for iOS, um, my early game called Scribattle, came out in early 2009. And it was, um, you know, there were a number, a number of hurdles along the way. Technical, even though I've been using... Xcode and the Mac platform for years, there were some new things on iOS to deal with, and then there was all this uh, pretty new stuff of dealing with certificates and provisioning profiles and the iTunes Connect interface and all these things that were all new to me. Um, and so each one of these, you know, it, was, it wasn't really overwhelming, but there were times when I felt like, okay, here's one more roadblock being thrown in my way, things I didn't anticipate that, like, uh, well, for instance, people talk about that if you want to sign up for I to be an iOS developer, you should do it in advance because it can take some time. Like for me, back in mid-2008 when I signed up, right when they just started up, I think it took six or seven weeks for my developer application to go through. So I couldn't actually build onto a device until until a good chunk of the time through that. Um, and then things like there were just all this, there was paperwork and they had to like double check that 
they could deposit into the bank before they could put on the store. There's all these things one after another. It wasn't overwhelming, um, but it was frustrating. And I think now I was doing it at the time. This is very much a this was a side thing I was doing. I had another job doing other kind of programming. So this was really a a thing I was doing more or less for fun in my in my spare time. And if I I think if I had been relying on this, it would have been much more frustrating. It would have felt overwhelming because you know if there was a situation where there's a company that's that's counting on getting their app on the store to get some income, that sort of thing, it'd be a much more stressful situation. But so what happened for me there was that there were a number of ways in which that first app was more successful than I anticipated. So I released a, a paid version of the app that cost $3 and it sold almost nothing. And I kind of guessed that might happen. So I immediately released, had ready a, a light version that was free with the idea that people download the light version. If they like it, they'll buy the full version. And the light version exploded. So in for a, a few hours in there in, in March... You were getting 200,000 downloads. Yeah, yeah I, got, I got a couple hundred thousand dollars. A couple of thousand downloads a day of the light version. Very small fraction of a percentage actually converted and, and bought the app itself. But if I if I had been thinking in advance that hey this might take off, I would have done something smart like say put some ads in there. So I mean it's, nowadays it's it's common practice that if you have a free app and a paid app, of course there are ads in the free app. Um, at the time I didn't think of that, and so I didn't have it, and I probably left you know a good. Twenty, thirty thousand dollars sitting on the table that I could have gotten in app revenue or in ad revenue, but that's life. And but if I had had other people, if I had had partners who were doing this with me, someone maybe someone else would have thought of that. And this is one of the things that again later at, for instance, at, at Tokaboka, um, the head of Tokaboka, Bjorn Jeffrey, he was great at always thinking of these things. He was really on the ball about, and still is on the ball about checking all these opportunities, checking out, you know, well, what can we do to raise awareness of things and try and leverage what we have in the best way we can. Um, and so this, there, there are a variety of different mindsets. And for me, as a technology person, more than a business person, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking along these lines. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose a lot has changed since 2008 to now. I mean, it may be easier to um, actually, well, first of all, register and go through this, this certification process. I think the interface looks like it's changed. I mean, I joined... Um, after uh, probably 2011, I think it was, and the interface has already changed quite significantly since then. So I can imagine, you know, a lot of things have become easier. Yeah, they have opened it up because I think they, you know, they got so much criticism in the, in the early days about how difficult it was to develop for iOS compared with the normal desktop platform. So there's only made a lot of changes, um, but you know, there are always still still new things. You know, there is this aspect of having multiple people on a team can everyone can bring something different that other people aren't thinking about and and one of the other things i was thinking about of the my sort of lack of preparedness for success was that once i had the game out and it was being downloaded in such huge numbers it sort of hit this peak and started to drop in the space of a few days before i could really react to it there's no way for me to try and capitalize that in a real way i did put ads in there later but by then, like sort of the moment had passed, and so I got I got a bit of ad revenue, but never very much. And so the, you know, I started also realizing then, geez, you know, this is a perfect opportunity. I would have had a chance to, you know, my app was seen by millions of people, you know, over the course of a few months. I think there were one and a half or two billion who downloaded it. And I start and I realized afterwards, if I if I had known that, I would have made it better. I would have, you know, I would have gone 
gone in for some better graphics. I would have put some music in there. I would have made things a little a little more flashy just to just to make it a little bit better experience. I mean, it was still a, it was still a fun game, but I, if if I had 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 any idea I was going to do that well, I would have given it probably some more time. Which in the retro, which when, the other way of looking at that is if I had done that, maybe those things would have been a distra- distraction. Maybe it would not have been appreciated as much as it was. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's just and un- un- you could have. Uh, you could have hired some people and had a team and, and, and done a lot of work towards it, spent a lot of money, and, and then it not, not get anywhere near the success uh, that it has. So yeah. Guess, and yeah, I guess that, that's the risk that we all take. Um, but do yeah, you, um, I, mean, I think uh, that you know the time that I've been doing uh, apps, uh, that uh, it's become easier to outsource uh, some of the, the particular jobs. Like I'm not very good at graphics, graphic design. I know that I can get people to do that pretty easily now um so um, you know my yeah nowadays a lot a lot of that stuff is more straightforward to find people to do work for you but i think there's also an issue of um so a part of the what was the reader's name again nate so part of nate's question was was you know everything from creating the app to getting out of this out on the store to dealing with everything and so i think a big part of that people don't always think about is kind of the aftermath it's one thing to, de- to develop a great product and test it and optimize it and get it running exactly the way you want. But then what happens when you put it in the store? That's a whole different thing. There's, a whole, there's these whole huge areas of marketing and uh, dealing with uh, p- uh, press releases and all this sort of stuff. And, and also, again, dealing with, with uh, success. If you have some success, how can you leverage that into something else? Do you have... Uh, maybe two products. So if one takes off, you can try and, with the one that's successful, try and promote the other product. Um, I, we've seen an example very recently um, of this uh, this app, Flappy Bird, which everyone's been talking about the past week. <laughs> Jack, and I've got today, to say, that, um, I've, I've got a notepad here and I've written down Flappy Bird thinking I wanted to introduce <laughs> that into the chat. That's so strange that you mentioned that as well. The, the indie developer well, has given up uh, about $50,000 uh, a day, I think, in ad revenue by taking it off the store. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's fairly incredible. It's, you know, way this, this poor guy, Dong Nguyen, is completely overwhelmed by the success of his app. You know, his tweets about this are so sad to read. He's like, this is not a, this is not the kind of success I wanted. Please leave me alone. Leave me in peace. <laughs> and it's you know it's this is this is again not being prepared for success. You know, not not everyone has this kind of success. Obviously, that's why this is a, this is an outlier. That's why that's why people are talking about it. But if it happens, you ought to be able to be ready for it and and uh, take care of it somehow. I mean, not to judge this guy. I don't know this guy or anything, but it seems like. My guess is probably he was inundated with phone calls and emails, and since there's been so much media attention to this, to this app, people want to talk to him and say, "What's your story? Why is it a success?" And he's probably just think, thinking, "Damn, I can't handle all this this level of interactivity from my audience." What he maybe ought to have done is contacted like a, I don't know a PR agency and said, "Hey, I need help with this. Let me transfer my phone number to you guys. Let me transfer my email to you guys, and you guys sift through it and tell me if anything real comes out of it. You know, just to take it off his off his shoulders. He was, that's probably what it was about. He was just overwhelmed by. I'm guessing he's overwhelmed by the activity of people trying to talk. To well, him. I mean, if you think about all these things that happened in life, can you imagine Mark Zuckerberg saying, "Oh, that Facebook has just gone too viral. I can't take it anymore." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in 22 hours, I'm shutting it down. Yeah. 
And that's why I, it's the first time I just love that story where he's like, I don't care about the money. Uh, you know, I've just had enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a very good story. Um, yeah. I, pretty wild. Yeah. I was thinking um, back on the question then, it, it was um, uh, that uh, the, some of the resources that for outsourcing uh, that you can use, um, I'm thinking in particular my own, the way I get graphic designers, sometimes I go to um, 99designs, Sometimes I go to, uh, that's 99designs.com or odesk.com. They have some good graphic designers that you can get on there or elance.com. Um, do you have any resources that you think off the top of your head that would be good for outsourcing the parts of the, the process of building an app that you can't do? Well, the the one that I was that came to mind for me was, as you mentioned, 99designs. Um, I just had a customer this fall where we were using that. And basically, what they did is they they pitched that they wanted some input on. They had an existing design, and they wanted kind of a refresh of it. And <clears throat> and the design that they ended up buying, they didn't actually even they didn't take it whole as it was. They said, okay, let's cherry pick from what we got. They they like they picked the one they liked the best, and they used parts of it, which was fine for them. Um, and then they got a huge a huge range of uh, quality and styles from their from their request there. So that's a pretty interesting site. I, I hadn't really seen it before, but they got some interesting results from it. Um, otherwise, I haven't, uh, when, I, when I've outsourced things, I've done, I've usually asked asked friends. I've, or I've, I've, you know, kind of fished around for a friend of a friend. Hey, do you know somebody who can do this for me? That kind of thing. And that's worked pretty well. I mean, it's generally not hard to find someone within your circle or within a circle of your circle who is a graphic designer, who, you know, who, wants to try their hand at doing something, that sort of thing. So that's pretty much what, I, what I've done so far um, for my own work. And then within uh, within Tokoboka, we actually did pretty much similar things. All of our graphic, almost all of our graphic design while I was there was in-house, whereas most of the audio was uh, was done by outside parties. And there it was, it was typically connections. It was someone who was, someone who, who knew someone at the studio or a friend of a friend, that sort of thing. And so there was, there were a few times where we did kind of a pitch where we set, we, we let, uh, we let various uh, musicians and sound designers try their hand at some things. And then we had a round of listening to things and picking what we liked best, but it was still always, there was always kind of some, some sort of personal connection. It was someone who, either someone who we, who we knew or someone who had contacted us because by that time Tokoboka was doing well enough that it was, People were contacting us all the time. I'm sure they still are. And so we had this kind of pool of people who said, who seemed to be interested, who we could sort of listen and look and see what they were doing and see if it seemed like something that we could, that we could grab onto. Yeah, that's a really interesting part of the question is like, if you are prepared to build up a team, maybe you have some venture capital money behind you. Maybe you're, um, you know, you've got like a, your own funds that you're willing to spend on, on building a team. If you're new then that's going to be quite challenging. You haven't got this group of people approaching you because of your success and nobody knows you. And right. I guess you have to go out and, and use resources like LinkedIn or, again, some of those um, things I mentioned, Odesk or Elance or even um, yeah, forums, going on to uh, certain forums and just trying to figure out who the good guys are and then trying to poach those. But I, I, I wouldn't be able to advise on how to build a, a team of employees at all. That's not anything that I've done in the app world. No, it's me either. I mean, I've been on teams, but I haven't, 
I haven't been involved in building any teams at all, really, not in that way. So. Yeah. Well, well, we've we've covered that question pretty well. Thanks very much, Jack, for doing that. So, the, the, before we let you go, I just wanted to ask you. You did mention in the pre-chat some podcasts that are really worth listening to. Um, right. Yeah. yeah I could you... forgot to mention this before. So, at Thoughtbot, we have a couple of podcasts that are both really great. Um, there's one that's been going for many years that's called Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots, where our uh, one of our guys, Ben Orenstein interviews all sorts of people, programmers, people who run companies, uh, some of them famous or at least internet famous. And then our other podcast is called Build Phase, and this is an iOS-focused podcast hosted by two of our guys in uh, in the U.S., Gordon and Mark, and uh, it's very uh, code-focused. So a lot of iOS podcasts that I've heard, at least, are uh, they tend to be centered around interviews, kind of like this one is, or... Perhaps it's a couple of guys kind of talking about the news in a way. Um, and this has a bit of that talking about the news quality, but they also dig into talking about actual code. They're like actually talking about, have you used this class? Have you understood why this delegate acts this way and how do we get around this problem? And so it, it gets into, the, it, to kind of get their hands dirty talking about the, the, nitty-gritties, uh, the nitty-gritty stuff of Objective-C. And it's, it's good. It's a lot of good fun. Well, that's great. So if anyone is interested in those too, I will put links in the show notes. You need to go to uh, onemob.com and click on the, the App Guy podcast and you'll find that under the episode that it has with Jack Nutting. Uh, also, yeah, just to remind people that definitely go and check out uh, the earlier episode that I did with Jack where we went through your, um, your story and um, I, I think that was just one of, the, one of the best episodes and I appreciate that, Jack. So... Um, oh, thanks. Have you got any other thoughts on your mind before we say goodbye? Not exactly, except that I can say that I've actually begun my process of putting out some more new small apps, more new small games on my own. I have one I've submitted to the App Store, waiting for approval, hoping to get out in the next couple of weeks. So I've started to get the ball rolling a little bit on my own app production in my spare time, which is great. And I, well, the other thing I can say is I'm very close to being done with beginning iOS 7 development. You can look for that on, your, on the bookshelves in March. Uh, wonderful. And, well, good luck with getting approval. I know that uh, I'm waiting at the moment for an app to be approved. I had a joint venture with one of the previous guests on the app guy. We um, created a, an app together, or I, I did an app and he did the artwork, and we've got it uh, submitted to the app store, and it's a... Uh, Oh, it's a pretty long way to, it feels like it's been about seven days now. Hey, are the app store, are they getting longer in their reviews? I seem to get these emails saying your app is in review and then it goes quiet for another, at least another seven days. Really? I haven't got that at all. Yeah. So mine is, mine is still waiting for review and it's also, but that's also been six or seven days, I think. It feels like it's, mm. been, it's been a while, it's been sitting there, so. Yeah, that sometimes, I mean, I've had one where literally within 24 hours I had the email and I thought, that's, I've never had that before where, um, have been so quick to put it into review but then it stayed in review for at least a week uh, and then they reviewed it and approved it but uh, yeah I mean it, they still have this golden sort of mark of seven to ten days to get it into review but over the years have you seen that process improve or is it pretty much stayed static? Well I, well, I think overall if you look from the compared to the early days to now it's definitely better I think at the start it was it was tended to be two weeks almost all the time in early 2009 and then I remember there, there was one period where they, they, I think it was late 2009 or late 2010, they actually stopped all submissions over Christmas, but had their people working. So they're like, okay, we're going to try and tackle the backlog 
So no one could submit anything new, but they were still working on stuff for 10 days or something. And they actually got it down to where in early January, right after that, you could there were a few people who submitted an app and got it approved within 45 minutes or something. Because <laughs> they actually had they actually had no queue whatsoever. Oh dear. Yeah, it's incredible that they're still I guess going through this. I mean, I wonder how many apps they actually get submitted. I mean, at the time when Steve Jobs was still alive, he mentioned that they get a thousand a week. I mean, I can imagine that's must be a lot more than that now. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Think of all the updates people are submitting and all that stuff. But okay, well, Jack, good luck with that. We'll keep a, an eye on um, what, what's the name of the app. Uh, the app that I'm waiting to get released is called Text Shooter. And if you want to take a look at, if you want to check and see if it's been released or not, you can go to rebisoft.com, R-E-B-I-S-O-F-T.com, which is my own personal, my own little company, just me. Well, that's, I'm sure it'll get through no problem at all. Hey, listen, thanks for joining me um, tonight on the App Guide podcast. I appreciate it and uh, would love to have a chat with you again some other time. But thanks very much, Jack. Well, thank you. Anytime. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy podcast goes out every Sunday and Thursdays.